Hello and welcome to episode 22 of Lessons Learned. That's two of the same number next to each other. Yep. I'm Dylan in a hat. And I'm Evan without a hat. And uh, <clears throat> on today's episode, it'll be a continuation of last week's. Uh, Jordan Peterson is going to bring us through the alchemical process of transformation. This was a process that would redeem the world as well as the individual. Oh, we're redeeming now. Yep. Medieval technology to redeem. Oh boy. Hello, everyone. Um, this is our second to last episode, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, the yeah, with this episode actually might end up being a little shorter. Um, just because we'll go over the conclusion for Next the finale, episode. right? Yeah. There's no good way to do both in the same episode. So Yeah, I kind of figured. So, yeah, um, I don't have a fancy way to introduce this other than I have a hat because my hair is driving me insane. And Evan doesn't have a hat. Nope. Because his hair is not driving him insane. And um, <clears throat> let's talk about alchemy. Yeah, let's... Let's redeem ourselves in the process. <laughs> True alchemy, of course. So, let's see. Last time, uh, we talked about the matter and spirit that make up the world. Um, so, yeah, if, if anyone hasn't seen last episode, you should go watch that for some context. And if you're not going to, and you're not going to watch any other episodes... This episode is a continuation of a series where we go over Jordan Peterson's Maps of Meanings, published in 1999. Boom. There it is. There it is. Just to clarify, because it gets confusing. So, there's this thing that he introduces in this section called the Prima Materia. The what? It's Latin, I think. Okay. It just means prime material. Oh, okay. Um, it is, It's kind of like the matter from last episode. It's the unknown as matter and the effect that that unknown has on our imagination and behavior. Okay, sure. So we've talked about this quite a bit in previous episodes that like the unknown influences our behavior mm-hmm. because we have to act with according to what could happen. Yeah. Even though we don't know what might happen. So that's what the prima materia is. They saw it as unredeemed and that their process is to redeem it, which mm-hmm. means exploring it. Uh, so they wait they saw the unknown as unredeemed yeah oh quite literally yeah okay and it was it also served as a base material where they could build off of oh okay so he compares it to the like the uruburos Mm, that we talked about the dragon that eats itself yeah yes he compares it to that idea okay where it's the known and the unknown combined as Mm. a base material so there's that uh they associated the prima materia's imperfection and incompleteness with moral imperfection. Okay. Wait, say it again. So the incompleteness of like the unknown and stuff. Right. They associated that with actual moral imperfection. Okay. So they thought that the world was morally <clears throat> imperfect. Because we didn't know everything. Yeah. Really? And it's because they couldn't separate the empirical from the effective. Right, sure. Like we talked about last time. That's an interesting way to view the world. Yeah. Like in your daily life that 
because we don't know something it's impure like we live Mm -hmm. morally incorrect like because we just don't know which i get i definitely get you know because it's like well we don't know everything so how do we really know what's right and wrong yeah without like the explicits from the bible but even then i feel like some situations can get gray you know Mm -hmm. well and we use they have a similar idea with christianity that the world's fallen so Mm -hmm. they could have gotten they could have been influenced by christianity in that way and we don't know how christian they were right no because we talked about last time that they saw jesus's resurrection and stuff as not fully redeeming them right so because they didn't read the bible yeah they didn't they didn't get to that part um so i was going to talk a little bit more about discarded image the c.s lewis thing this episode but i ended up talking about it more so last episode so if you'd like to learn about a discarded image by c.s lewis go check out last episode it's pretty interesting in my opinion and that's the thing with the spheres everything the whole world's made of the spheres and stuff oh yeah the cool the really cool and interesting spherical idea yeah are you enticed yet should be unless you're not um (laughs) coming to last week near you (laughs) uh on spotify and apple music and youtube apple music it's podcasts they have their own thing I think so. Yeah, they do. It's Apple Podcast. We post on it, so I'd hope. I, we don't. We have to have a distributor. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Don't we still have one, though? Technically, yeah. To put stuff on there, so. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, anyways, now we can get into the actual transformation. Mm-hmm. So the first step that has to happen is the disintegration of the prima materia. Okay. Which looks like they they kind of have the physical and the metaphorical at the same time because they saw the book they were not good at distinguishing the two right so this looks like the physical destruction of metal or like melting it down Mm -hmm. as well as the destruction of your previous moral state of being so the way that you understood the world Mm. so for them this looked like questioning the absolute authority of the church where it was the church provides the whole worldview with the spheres and everything and they're saying i'm that's the state of being that I live in, morally speaking, is believing that that's the case. So the first step of this sort of transformation is to destroy that or more accurately question that, that okay. that's actually true and kind of tear it down so that you can see if other possibilities exist. Mm-hmm. So that's step one. Is that is that clear? I, does that make sense? I think it's clear. I, I, again, I think it's like the idea of living in a different understanding than of my own Mm -hmm. well and this can be applied to a lot of things like you could make a better analogy for cars and stuff than i could but it would be assuming that you know one thing about a car Mm -hmm. um but then or maybe a car works a certain way and then maybe things don't happen or they don't feel right with a car so you decide maybe the things i know aren't complete or the things i've been told aren't correct so i'm going to i'm going to destroy that understanding so that i can try and figure it out you don't need a car analogy for that that's what i'm going through right now oh it like the whole idea of like you grow up one way like your childhood is structured this way and then you hit the real world Mm -hmm. and beyond that like you go to high school and then you go to college and they can tell you whatever they want 
high college is really hard. College is a college is that it's a different experience for everybody. And you get to college and it's like, boom, this is not what I expected. And then you graduate from college and then the real quote unquote real world yeah. is totally different. Like I, I feel like at those moments, at least in my personal experience, I found myself going like, okay, so I'm going to find where I thought I knew everything and just disregard it mm-hmm. and relearn. So that's, yeah. Yeah. That's the first step of the alchemical okay. transformation. Um, and that's probably the hardest one to do because you're accepting that you could be wrong and you're opening yourself up to like way more chaos. Oh yeah. Because you could learn any no, number of things from it. It's totally a great thing. I think it's totally a great thing to be doing. Oh, it is. Regardless of how hard it is. Like I, I don't find it hard. I find the hardest part acknowledging where I've learned something wrong or have a fundamental misunderstanding about something. I I find acknowledging those points. Mm -hmm. That's the hard part. But once I'm like, Oh, that's something that's like an issue. I have no problem going like, screw that idea. Okay. Yeah. 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 You know, that that's just me, but I, I, it's way, way worth it. It's way more beneficial. Absolutely. Live that way. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, that's why I like being a historian or yeah. working towards that because my favorite books that we read in classes are the ones that really complicate how I understood something previously. Yeah. Like my, the best book I read last semester, well, there's two I really liked, but for this example, there was one called Occupied America Okay. and it was about the revolution, the American yeah. Revolution. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty much making the point that for most people, the revolution wasn't like a big deal. Like not everyone was a fiery patriot Mm -hmm. or a super hardcore loyalist or anything. They were just people trying to get by. Yeah. And they would kind of play both sides if they needed to. Um, But they were just doing whatever they could in hard economic times. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that grounds the revolution in a super helpful way that feels way more realistic than everyone's super fiery. So I like, I like when the stuff complicates it and shows me that it's not, the way I, that I understand it is not. Complete. Yeah. Well, I feel like it's, that's kind of, that's the reality of like life, mm-hmm. especially as a Christian outlook. Mm-hmm. It's not just like, yes or no. It's like, there's a little bit more than just this one thing. Right. There's like a complexity to understand the world that we live in. Hence mm-hmm. the trial. Right. You know? Yeah. So. If you understand that, then that's the that's the first step that he has here. There's going to be three steps. Um, let's see. I don't think we need to talk more about it. He pretty much just says that any human-made moral framework is going to get outdated, mm-hmm. and it'll need to be updated over time. Um, we would obviously disagree about the Bible. Because that's like eternal, you know, that doesn't need the morals that are in the Bible don't necessarily need to be updated. Well, yeah, no. So, (laughs) but I think with human things, that's absolutely funny enough. The morals in the Bible are often repeated numerous times throughout different circumstances in the Bible. Yeah. And then we see it today. Right. And almost direct correlation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There there isn't a Bible 2.0. Right. You You see that. Well, if the Bible is so great, why isn't there a the Bible too? Yeah. <laughs> well, because it was that great. That could be JP's Bible. The Bible. Instead too. of a translation, yeah, he just makes Bible Instead of too. JPV, it's just the Bible too. Yeah. 
and then the whole thing's like bad and backwards. Yeah, there you go. No, that's old JP. That, that is old JP. New JP, if you weren't aware, is diehard Christian. Well, yeah. I shouldn't say that, but he is definitely Christian. Yes. And has some pretty good stuff on like what he's done Genesis and Exodus right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll move on to the next step then. This one's called peregrination, which is a tough word, but yep, it. I'll I'll do a direct quote here because I think he can concisely say it better than me. Mm-hmm. Uh, peregrination is familiarization with every aspect of being as a vast expansion of self knowledge. So pretty much what you're doing is going out and learning everything possible to expand your own knowledge, mm-hmm. and this is right after you've kind of destroyed your old ways of understanding okay, or at least suspended them. Maybe it's more accurate. Yeah. So you're like, all right, maybe I don't know everything. You put your beliefs to the side and then you go learn as much as possible to see what's out there in the unknown. I see how that directly correlates with JP. Yeah. How long until he became a Christian, you know, yeah, like a long time, but, and then furthering that point as we're going through Ecclesiastes at our church, King Solomon going through literally everything in life Mm -hmm. that you could possibly do all of it all the time, all of it. Yeah. And then was like, yeah, God's really the only answer. Like there isn't like another answer. There isn't another life fulfilling thing. There, Mm -hmm. there isn't anything other than God. So if there is God, then there is the Bible, then there is Christ, and there is your free salvation. It has to be that way. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you'd be denying the very ideal of, like, your life coming from somebody who has gone through every single loophole. And then if if you're listening or watching, hello, and uh, you're like, King Solomon, that's the Bible guy. I I don't believe in that. Okay, well, then fine, ignore science because... Like he's a real dude. Mm-hmm. Then look at Jordan Peterson. And that's exactly what I think we've really gone through in this book is his rabbit hole journey to, well, Hello. seems like the answer is God. Yeah. It, to me, it's kind of, it feels like his career is at least a part of it. I don't want to broad brush, but at least part of his career was eliminating all of the other options, mm-hmm. which I feel like is fine for most no it's probably important well here's my concern if we were to encourage and i don't say we as christians just we as people were to encourage each other and everyone around us Mm -hmm. hey go do everything in your life to figure things out everything then it's tough yeah i think there's a better way to right you know i mean well and i think jordan peterson's journey is really interesting because he did it in the moral realm Mm -hmm. where you know, we'll talk about it next episode, but he was fascinated with the problem of evil. Right. And once you accept that evil has to exist because of what happened in the 20th century, mm-hmm. well, there's no such thing as evil without something that can justify it. And the only thing that can justify it is God. Right. And also if evil exists, then there has to be an opposite of it. Right. Which would be good. Right. But how do you define good? So. Exactly. He kind of went down that rabbit hole of how do we get meaning how do we figure out what's good? Mm-hmm. All that kind of stuff. And I think by going through all of that, it's kind of like a C.S. Lewis journey mm. where he goes mm-hmm. through the alternatives and figures out why they don't work. Yeah. So then he becomes really 
uh, powerful, I guess, for lack of a better word, once he is Christian because he understands the other side really well. Yeah, really devout. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I don't think that's a bad thing. I just it's not something everyone should do. Probably. Right. I think it's something that we shouldn't encourage for mm -hmm. everyone to just do because I, at some point you need to acknowledge like, okay, am I really going to genuinely do all of this stuff? Like, am I really going to go down all these whole rabbit holes and, well, and figure this out or should I just leave it to somebody who already did it and trust in that? Well, not only that, but he says a, really important part of this is accepting that you aren't as good as you could be mm. and recognizing the tragic situation of man and something he a quote that he has in here is that i think applies is the individual is a terrible force for evil recognition of that force real recognition the kind that comes as a staggering blow is a precondition for any profound improvement in character mm. so if you actually want to be able to change and become a better person you have to realize and recognize in a real sense how terrible you can be yeah and i think a lot of people probably aren't willing to do that oh gosh and so no. this wouldn't be a worthwhile journey for them no and that's something i think we see in culture today secular culture you can't deny your lived reality mm -hmm. you you can't do that you have to accept it and never suspend it mm-hmm so when somebody who is like extreme leftist is cussing at somebody, swearing at them, saying all these awful things, you know, and then you're like, well, now hold on. I thought you were the like the accepting group of people. I thought you were the talent group of people. They still are, because if they were to accept that what they did was intolerant or not OK, would be to, you know, deny and reject everything else that they believe. in. Mm -hmm. It just all crumbles and then that's and then a bigger picture that's such a horrible 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 way to live life and to build a culture a society a family doesn't matter to build anything on those ideas mm -hmm. that you have to live it and then keep progressing to such an extreme extent because if you stop progressing then you're not progressive enough and if you right take a look at what you're progressing towards or what you believe in and question it then it, everything shatters yeah immediately and i feel like we see that in a lot of detransitioned people mm. like the people like the girl that michael knowles interviewed where everyone was like you're a man you're i know you're a girl biologically but like you're actually a trans man and like she goes through the whole process and everything and then she detransitioned because it took like one thing where she questioned it and the entire structure of being transgender mm -hmm. and that idea fell immediately mm. and then she now she regrets the decision Do you remember what it was because i had, i never watched any of that no i it's it's just an interview michael knowles does with a girl and i do not remember her name no no do you remember the thing that got her no um i i honestly if i remember correctly and i probably don't but i believe it was just questioning what she was doing just in okay just like saying wait like, what am I really doing? I think it was a combination of, like, she wasn't satisfied still. She was very dissatisfied and depressed. Mm -hmm. And then she was like, well, what am I doing? And then she looked and everything just, like, shattered. Right. And she was very upset with the doctors that encouraged her to do it mm -hmm. because she's like, you've permanently altered me. 
Right. And you didn't stop me once. Yeah. So what gives? So now she speaks out against it. Right. But <clears throat> yeah, I think that's an important thing that we should strive to have in ourselves is that what humility, I guess. Yeah. That's to definitely really, a big part of it. To really just go, <clears throat> oh, well, was that right? Is that good? Do I know that? Mm-hmm. Am I wrong? Yeah. Am I wrong? Yeah. Um, he talks about how this, this step is kind of a rite of passage. Okay. And he says that the, the purpose of a rite of passage is quote, the development of character in consequence of confrontation with the unknown. Mm-hmm. And he points out there, and this is kind of what we were talking about. There can be just as much unknown within us as without. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I kind of wish we had some sort of rites of passage. I think he's talked about it somewhere in the book previously. I think with the shamans, he was talking about the importance uh, of rites of passage for adolescence. Sure. And it was kind of finding yourself or proving yourself. Yeah. What, so what do you mean when you say, community. what do you say when you mean, uh, what do you mean when you say, I wish we had a rite of passage? Like, uh, like literally in our society, like something to prove yourself or something that tests you so that you can find out who you are. And how you react to things. I think that ends up breaking down to, well, because if you, if you were to break it down to like tradition, mm-hmm. you would, I feel like you would see that in, on a European side. And I'm just speculating here completely. Mm-hmm. This is not fact. I'm just speculating. Um, you'd see that in like European families, like big family heritage, mm-hmm. what makes them, you know? And then if you were to look Western um, before colonization at like Native American tribes, it was a tribal thing where it might be different families in that one tribe, but in that community. Like tribal rites of passage. Yeah. Yeah. So I think to look at it from given that we are coming from European ancestry and kind of our Western culture has that familial importance, right? Mm -hmm. I think it's on the family to develop those things Mm. and to carry that tradition. Which is something that me and my girlfriend want to do. And I think you know that is kind of developed that. But Mm -hmm. I think it's a really cool thing. I'm sure there's other things. I'm sure there's like Boy Scouts, which is not Boy Scouts anymore. It's just the Scouts. And there's a Boy Scouts. There's still Girl Scouts, though. There is still Girl Scouts. There's actually, and I might have told you this, there's a Boy Scouts. This was before they really changed the name. There's a, And it still exists. It's just called the Scouts. There's a Boy Scouts in Michigan that is all girls and excludes boys mm. called boy scouts. Mm. And then they changed it to the scouts, but it is still in a girl exclusive right. scouts, which originally was the boy scout. Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. But the point nevertheless is I agree. I think tradition um, and more importantly, rites of passages are good because mm-hmm. I agree. I wish I had something like that. Something to test you. Yeah. Yeah. Like a good, Something that could only come from wisdom experience, mm-hmm. wisdom and experience, and then kind of set up in such a way that it would test you. But you you and I can't do that right now. No. The only way we're going to be able to do that is to have gone through life and evaluated what's important and stuff. Yeah. But that's something I want to do with my kids for sure. Right. Yeah. Not like I'd kick them out of the family if they failed. <laughs> right. <laughs> Trial by fire. Yeah. Um, and so he points out, and this is the last little bit for mm-hmm. the perigen- 
peregrination mm-hmm. is just that everything that's despised and feared or everything hated and uh, every object of hatred and contempt, everything signifying cowardice, ruthlessness, ignorance, all of these things that we would want to deny mm-hmm. may yet constitute information necessary for life. Yeah. So we might need to look at the things that we don't want to look at, which mm-hmm. we've talked about time and again. So yeah. I didn't want to spend a bunch of time on it, but I thought yeah. it was a, a good thing that he brought up in the context of this transformation. Yeah. So. So. Agreed. Okay, cool. The like button. Then we'll go on to the last one. Um, you could hit the like button right now if you wanted to. I could. That'd be cool. Mid-episode. Yeah. Um, request. So. The last step is called the conjunction. And it just, he defines it as the union of all now manifest things. Okay. So you have your old things that you used to know. Mm-hmm. You have your new things that are now manifest mm-hmm. because you didn't know them before, but now you do. And you combine those two things. So that's what the, that's the starting point for the transformation. So this has two aims. There's the union of the unknown. Mm-hmm into harmony with order. So you're taking the things that you didn't know and you're putting them into your system of order oh, okay. to improve it. Right. And then the second one, I'll quote him here. Uh, the second aim is reintroduction. Oh gosh, this is a tough one. Reintroduction of the integrated psychic structure to the physical body, the conscious incarnation of the now more complete spirit. So pretty much what he's saying is, it's a change in behavior. <laughs> Why doesn't he say these things? Why doesn't he just say that? Because he's very precise with his words. But that is precise. A change in behavior. It's not as precise. I guess. Um, Nonetheless. So, say it again in, in normal English words. So, the first aim is harmonizing the unknown with order. Right. And then... The second aim is to reintroduce your updated knowledge mm-hmm. with the way that you act. Ah, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dude, that's why I like church, though. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Why? I, well, <clears throat> every Sunday, we get this great, big, awesome lesson from our pastor. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, okay, so how can I implement that into my life? And just every week, there's like a little thing or couple things that you can do that's constantly shifting Mm -hmm. i mean i feel like you relate to that i feel like we've talked about that like every week there's something little tweaks and stuff that really help us develop currently yeah i agree yeah i think it can be hard sometimes to remember oh definitely to, to implement it yeah but every week there is like yeah multiple things mm-hmm. to work on for sure oh yeah so yeah, I like it. No, I like that. Okay, so there's three pro- or there's three stages kind of for this process mm-hmm. to happen. The first one is union of the mind. Okay. Which is organizing your drives and emotions. Mm-hmm. So as you figured out all this new information and stuff and you're combining it with the old one and then you have to figure out like what's what's the hierarchy here of what I should be putting uh, at like the top. What's the most important thing out of all this new stuff I've learned? Mm. Um because it could be that you go and explore and then there really isn't anything that was that helpful. And yeah. you just kind of add something towards the bottom of what is important. Mm-hmm. Or it could be the very top thing. 
becomes newly important. So that's step one is kind of organizing your emotions and motivations. So that's union of the mind. And the next is union of the mind with the body. Mm -hmm. So that's taking your new hierarchy of how you should act. Mm -hmm. And you're changing your attitude and your actions according to that new understanding. Mm. And then the third stage of this is union of the mind and body with the rest of the world. So this is the most complicated one and he spends yeah. quite a bit of time on it. Pretty much what it is, is when you're working on improving your body and mind or yourself mm-hmm. with when you're improving that you are also improving the world because you're acting differently in the world and making it better. So wow. the little snippet quote that I got from him is redeem yourself, redeem the world. Mm. So this is how the alchemists were trying to act was they were trying to figure out the best way to live Mm -hmm. pretty much and they thought that by doing that or by finding the philosopher's stone that they could help redeem the world um and they also he also talks about how influences and experiences of the external world are identical to the self Mm -hmm. so it's kind of like you're becoming one with the world like you're fully integrating into the world Mm -hmm. i didn't fully understand that idea like I couldn't wrap my mind around it, but that's what he's saying in this section also is mm-hmm. what this third stage does. So what do you think about that? That's the full three stages of this process. Um, I mean, I, I think it tracks. Um, I think. Let me ask a question first. So okay. when he's saying union of like you and the world, mm-hmm. is he saying that, so you've recreated this hierarchy, then you've applied it to how you're acting, and then now that you've ensured that that is right and good, you share that with like the world and implement it through like community. He doesn't talk about community specifically. I think it's more through your actions. But that the idea is that that those ideas and goals spread. Is that, or are, is he? They just don't saying really that? talk about it that way. Really, it's mostly talking about it like you are redeeming the world you're just contributing to society essentially kind of yeah okay or the way that you're acting is making the world better but it, it didn't say like the community's better it says the world the world like right. the actual the physical world is better right well hmm. i think that you can see that a couple different ways but the christian standpoint mm-hmm. i think that pretty much encapsul- encapsulates what we want Mm -hmm. which is like we're reading the bible we're praying and we're getting better to know you know god's words and the morals and how we should be living our life and then we apply that to ourselves and execute that Mm -hmm. and then our goal i know you know going out spreading the word of jesus trying to show people you know what's good um and then you know converting you know we're trying to get people to understand that like jesus died for our sins jesus Mm -hmm. was real jesus died for our sins there is a heaven there is an eternity um because we care and we don't want people to spend eternity in hell (laughs) why would we want that but i think that when we do things like that like when we really take the heart of god's word in the bible and we implement that in our lives and share that in the world we input that into the world 
it genuinely not in like the um hypo- like a hypocritical way but mm-hmm. like genuinely i think it starts becoming hard to just denounce christianity and start denying christians you know what i mean well that's what we talked about a couple episodes ago that's why it was so successful in rome yeah that's why they were winning the moral and ethics game was because they were just out acting being christians and people yeah. were like seems like they're onto something and that's why it's important to be a good christian to be a true christian mm-hmm. because going to church isn't being a true christian reading mm-hmm. the bible isn't being a true christian being a true christian is living it believing it walking it talking it that's that's what being a true christian is i mean you don't you don't have to go to church and you don't have to read the bible to really accept jesus mm-hmm. and accept the faith and accept that he died for our sins and that's free salvation you don't need anything to do that yeah but to do it and live it is to be real with it and that mm-hmm. ideally is what we should be doing to spread that right you know i i agree i don't think i have anything more to add to that <clears throat> um <clears throat> yeah they were they were basically searching for the ultimate way to live in harmony with the world mm-hmm. and in doing so they thought that the alchemist and the world could be redeemed uh, mm-hmm. so I have two more quotes and then that's it. Okay. Um, first alchemy was a living myth, the myth mm-hmm. of the individual man as redeemer. Okay. Which we don't like too much. Right. As there's only one redeemer. Yeah. That's a Jesus. A Jesus Christ. Yeah. Our Lord and Savior. So Hallelujah. that was just a good summary of the point of the alchemy. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one I think I like more is, this meant to say that Christ was the greatest man in history, a combination of the divine and mortal, was not sufficient expression of faith. Sufficient expression meant the attempt to live out the myth of the hero within the confines of individual personality. So pretty much what he's saying is the way that they understood the world, and I think the way that we actually understand the world as well, is that it's not enough to just say that Christ was great and stuff. You have to actually act out what Christ did. Yeah. And that's kind of the myth of the hero. Yeah. Basically. Well, and it's hard too, because Christ, the son of God, Mm -hmm. perfect. Yeah. Holy and pure. Mm -hmm. And now we have to emulate that. Yeah. But like flawed people. (laughs) The thing is that then there's just so much to emulate, Mm -hmm. which is great. Yeah. Well, and you can constantly, I, and I know I've said this in earlier episodes for sure, but mm-hmm. being a Christian, I think, gives you the unique opportunity of striving and working towards being a you mm-hmm. with the goal of reaching perfection. It's not possible. But with that being said, the the um, path you can take is pretty much infinite. It's Mm -hmm. pretty much endless. And if your goal is perfection, if your goal is to emulate Christ and be as Christ-like as possible, dude, what a great goal. Right. But if you look at other religions or if you look at, you know, um, what's the word? Not Christian, not religious at all. Atheist. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) I don't know why I was thinking agnostic. Oh, and I, yeah, atheistic, but like, the goal is whatever you set it. Or if you look at like Norse mythology or Greek mythology, like the goal is like the gods, mm-hmm. lowercase g, because that's what they are. 
um, but they, they are subject to vices. And we've talked about that a good number of times, but mm-hmm. for you, what does that mean for you? It means that that goal is obtainable. Yeah. And then that's it. Once you've obtained it, what are you living for? Well, and you can also look at what the gods and those myths are aiming at themselves, yeah. which is usually like money mm-hmm. or more power mm-hmm. or war or, and bloodshed or just, you know, enjoyment, pleasure. Yep. Those kind of things. Whereas Jesus really doesn't have a, well, he doesn't at all have a worldly thing that he's searching for. No. Because he's God in the flesh. Right. He doesn't want anything of this earth. Mm-mm. All the, the only, well, he does want something of this earth and it's us. Sure. You know, he wants us to join him in eternal glory. Mm-hmm. I, dude, I like how I get people, not everyone wants to be a Christian. I am, I get it. But at the same time, like as a Christian, like it hurts a little, sometimes a lot when you're like, Hey, like there is an eternity. I believe in an eternity and I believe in the free gift of salvation. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's all you have to do. And I know that when we die, I will see you there as my brother with me in heaven. Mm -hmm. And people still just go, no. And it's like, how does that, like, it hurts me. How's it not enticing? Yeah. Well, not just that, but like, it hurts me, Mm -hmm. you know, for sure. It's like, ow. Like I, you know, I mean, some people slander it. Some people are like, ah, oh, Christianity is like a bad coping mechanism. No, it's, it's, it's not. The it, opiate of the masses, according mm, to Marx. Oh, boy. I think that was Marx. I think um, Penn Jillette put it the best in his little vlog. Mm-hmm. I sent you a link. I found the video. I sent you a link through the email. Through the email. Yeah. <laughs> Boomer moment. Um, But... For those of you who don't know, Penn Jillette um, from Penn and Teller, the magic act from Las Vegas. They're pretty cool. Um, Penn is a, um, he's an atheist, but a Christian approached him and talked about how much he liked the show. And then he was like, I brought you a Bible. I want you to know, da 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 free salvation, God. And he's still an atheist, as far as I'm aware. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's also very liberal, very atheist, very loud open mouth spoken but he did say one thing he said i don't respect christians that don't try to spread the word because and in his words how much do you have to hate somebody for the, for you to not want them to be saved for eternity right which like if he could conceptualize that i still don't know why he doesn't accept salvation because mm-hmm. i mean he just doesn't buy it right but like i don't know even when i wasn't a Christian, like even in my youth, I was always like, well, I feel like there's gotta be a God, Mm -hmm. but even some people just feel like there's not right. But I was like, even more than that, I'd rather believe in a God and be wrong than not believe in a God and then be wrong forever. Yeah. 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 Cause like, it's, it's like, okay, so what my, me as a Christian, I lived a good life. I was happy. I was surrounded by good supportive people. I was kind to people. I great morals. And I die and I'm wrong. Oh, no. I lived a good life. I lived a great life. Yeah. How, how sad. But it's like if you don't believe it and there is an eternity, which there is, but if you don't buy it and you you hook up with prostitutes, you cheat on people, you steal, you do all this stuff because you're like, well, what do I care? And then you're wrong. And then it's eternity, mm-hmm. eternity of suffering. 
Yeah. That's inconceivable. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That was not related to the book at all. It was. In yeah, a it, wasn't, it wasn't too far off. I don't think. But that's all I have. Yeah, I, that's all I have. Short episode. But next will be the conclusion. Yay. We're concluding. Yes, finally. Long <laughs> book. It, it, it felt like it's been long. Yeah. That, that I mean, yeah, I'm done ranting. So if you want to close. Sure. As well, I seem to have to initiate you closing. Well, I just want to make sure you're done saying everything. You might proceed. Uh, thanks, everyone, for sticking around. I hope you enjoyed the series. Um, if you have any book recommendations, let us know. We already have an idea for the next one that we want to do, but we don't plan on stopping at one more book. So no, yeah. we'd always be open to other ones. Um, <clears throat> hope you enjoyed the episode. Stick around for next week, and we'll have a conclusion for Maps of Meaning by Jordan Peterson. A season finale. Indeed. All right. Thanks for watching. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.